The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 14 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. I hope that you are all enjoying a wonderful mid-April week. Uh, It's been a very exciting week for me, per usual. (laughs) I had my New York City choreographic premiere this past weekend at the Columbia Ballet Collaborative, which went quite well. I was very proud of that. Also, I uh, spoke at Gibney Dance for their Dancers Economic Empowerment Program on Tuesday about negotiating contracts. Right now, while you are listening to this, (laughs) this is actually quite pre-recorded because I will be relaxing in the Big Easy down in New Orleans, hopefully sipping a hurricane, (laughs) looking at all the beautiful architecture, taking in some jazz music. So uh, it's been six months of craziness and I've practically been on a bus from Philadelphia to New York every day or other day or two days uh, since our honeymoon back in October. So I'm taking this week to just have a little bit of time for myself. But I wanted to make sure that you got some great content, so that's why I've pre-recorded this for you. Um, So, this past week, I was taking class with Nancy Bielski, my favorite teacher at Steps on Broadway. I've talked about her a few times on here before. Um, And her class is generally full of professional dancers, a few recreational adults, and a few pre-professional students in their final years of training. Um, If you actually go on the Steps on Broadway website and you look at their schedule, her class is marketed as an advanced intermediate pro class. There are very few classes at Steps that actually states that it is for professionals, but there's about three classes every morning for uh, in ballet that specifically state that it's for pros. Um, so it's always a bit shocking when you walk into class and there are young tweens and teens in class. <laughs> uh, and that's what happened. I walked into class, I think it was last Tuesday, and there were the class was packed to the brim. And at least 10 to 15 of the students were maybe four and a half feet tall and, and clearly between the ages of 12 and 15. So you, you really notice when when you don't have more advanced students in class. So I was trying to figure out exactly why kids would take this professional level class, but then everything very quickly made sense to me because I, I, I go through this realization every year around this time uh, when I'm taking Nancy's class. Um, so I, what happened was I, I immediately recognized that it is April, and in New York in April, they have the finals of Youth American Grand Prix in the city. So if you don't know what Youth America Grand Prix is, it is an international youth ballet competition. Um, they have regional competitions all around the world. I, I think they're in Japan and Italy. There might even be one in South America at this point. And then there are 
regionals all across the country. Um, many, many cities. So what happens is these students, they compete in the regionals, and if they receive a high enough score in their classical ballet variations, they get to move on to the New York finals, which is consists of international dancers from across the world. It's actually quite a massive undertaking. It's like a week-long event with the competition starting with preliminaries, people advancing to finals, there's galas and master classes and performances, so it's really a big deal. Actually, a fun little tidbit of information about me is I competed in the first the first Youth America Grand Prix. I can't remember if it was back in 99 or 2000, but I did the first year. I competed at the Kirov Academy of Ballet in Washington, D.C. before they brought it to a theater. And then I didn't make it to the finals that year. But the the year after, the second year that they held the competition, I actually competed at the, the finals. Um, and I was offered a scholarship by Royal Winnipeg Ballet to attend their school. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to accept it because I was already going to Houston Ballet um, for their summer. But uh, still, I, I, not to date myself, but I, I go back to the very, very beginning of this competition. So this week, I thought that I would. I mean, I'm typically talk. I typically talk about things that I'm immediately inspired by. So this week, I thought that I would talk a little bit about uh, youth international ballet competitions, um, and whether they were really a reasonable thing to do. Because I know there are a lot of schools that uh, attend these competitions, but then there are also a lot of schools that uh, resist the temptation to attend these these competitions because they uh, don't think that students should be training to compete and that. It really brings the focus on to tricks as opposed to developing artistry. So what type of ballet or international youth ballet competitions are there? So as I've already said, there's Youth America Grand Prix. And in order to attend Youth America Grand Prix, the regionals, you just have to submit and pay and show up. Um, but in order to get to their international finals, you have to place in a certain percentage uh, of like, maybe, I don't know if it's the top 5%, top 10%, but you have to be one of the, the top placers in the regionals to go to the international finals. Um, there's also a competition called the World Ballet Competition. And I believe that that takes place in Florida. Do not hold me to that. Um, oh, that's Orlando. I'm correct. <laughs> it's nice to have a trusty computer right by your side while you're doing your podcast. Um, and the way that you can compete at the World Ballet Competition is you have to submit a, a video audition, um, and they select their finalists from that. There is also a competition called Ameri the American Dance Competition, which I believe is also a Florida-based competition. Um, and there is no requirement for you to uh, attend their competition. Um, you don't have to send in a video if you are from the United States. But in order to, if you're international, you have to submit a video, which I think is pretty reasonable because they don't want you to uh, not necessarily have the proper training to compete and then spend all the money to show up and then actually not be able to go there. So um, these are really the most well-known competitions that I'm aware of. There may be some uh, outside of the United States, and also there are international ballet competitions that they're not youth international ballet competitions, but they do have uh, a junior and a senior category, uh, and the juniors tend to be 15 to 19 years old. Uh, but usually it, it brings competitors that are more in the 17 to 18-year-old age range that are 
practically ready to start their professional career. Um, so I'm not going to include those in this list because those competitions are also run just a little bit differently. But these are the most well-known competitions in the United States uh, and the ones that, that I'm aware of. Um, so back to the idea of should you be sending your, your kids to do these competitions or not. I, I attended these competitions as a kid, but also in the past, uh, I mean, when I danced for Pacific Northwest Ballet, they generally didn't allow their students to go to competitions. And I, at the School of American Ballet as well, uh, they, they didn't allow their students generally to participate in competitions. They were more focused on getting their, their dancers into the companies. Um, so I kind of see both perspectives as to whether you should be putting kids into competitions or not. Um, and my, my thoughts on this personally, as an educator and as a coach of students, I, I did have a handful of students that competed in my contemporary choreography this year at Youth America Grand Prix. And in the past, when I directed Alaska Dance Theater, I coached some students classically and con in their contemporary division to compete at Youth America Grand Prix. And they actually, uh, three of my four students placed in the top 12 for contemporary. Um, but I, I think that there's a right time to do a competition and there's a wrong time and there's good reasons to do competitions and there are less than good reasons uh, to do so. So I want to discuss those with you guys here today. Um, so first and foremost, the, the reason that I think that most students should really be doing competitions is because it essentially puts them in a situation where they are forced to have private coaching uh, with one of their instructors or even an outside instructor. Um, a lot of times in schools, you're just taking class. And if you're not just taking class, technique classes, you might also be learning variations. You're doing pas de deux work or stuff like that. But when you have these variation classes, it's you learn it together as a group. And then usually when you do them, you do them in groups. So you don't really get full individual attention. Um, so when you choose to take part in these competitions, you are putting yourself in the studio with a coach, just you and them, and you're getting a lot of personal attention. And through this, not only are you getting better technically, but you can discuss the nuances of artistry and intention and approach. And, and it's just very, very valuable to have this experience. Beyond this, for these competitions, generally these days, they, they ask you, if you're not competing a pas de deux, they ask you to compete a classical variation or two. And then they also, if you want to be considered for uh, their grand prizes, you also have to compete a contemporary work. Um, back in my day, <laughs> they had their contemporary division, but most people were dancing modern pieces or jazz pieces. But today, they truly expect you to be doing contemporary work. Um, and a lot of classical dancers, this is a, a later podcast, but a lot of classical dancers, even in the most uh, renowned pre-professional schools, they aren't actually getting classes and technique in contemporary dance. They're either getting none or they're taking modern classes and hoping that the dancers will be able to find their way through to the middle between ballet and modern dance techniques. Um, but you generally have to hire or have a, a teacher at, at your school come in and choreograph a, a brand new contemporary work for you. So it really gives dancers a chance to have one-on-one -on -one coaching with a, a choreographer in a style that is completely out of their range. Um, 
one thing I know, so I, I'm, I'm the head of the contemporary dance department at Greenwich Ballet Academy. They brought me in this year. Um, and the, the students at the school are fantastic. Um, and they're trained in a very strict Vaganova uh, training style. The, the director, Yuri Vodolaga, he, he actually has his master's in, uh, in teaching and choreography from uh, a school in Russia. So uh, these students, they have fantastic technique, legs to their ear, beautiful legs and feet. Uh, they can turn. Um, they're, they're just beautiful dancers, and most of them are 15 and under. Uh, but the tendency for, for classical technique is that they're very, the dancers are very lifted and upright, but at times their dancing can get kind of rigid. So uh, having me come in to work with these students, it's essentially not just my goal to teach them how to be contemporary dancers, but it's also my goal to influence their movement ability so that when they get on stage that they don't look stiff. And that, that blends not just in their, into their contemporary work, but it blends into their classical work as well. So a really great reason to do a competition is so that you are not just focusing on one style of dance, ballet, but also focusing on contemporary work. Because if you want to be a professional dancer, a professional ballet dancer in a nice company, you're going to have a very varied rep where you could be dancing uh, classical ballet one week, and then, then a couple weeks later, you could be dancing the contemporary European style of Yuri Killian. You could be doing uh, off-centered... Uh, <laughs> neoclassical to contemporary ballet of William Forsyth, or you could even be doing a modern movement of Nacho Duato or uh, Twyla Tharp or anybody like that. So it is so important for dancers today to be exploring contemporary movement. So <laughs> that is really a great reason for dancers to attend these competitions. And whenever I, I'm working with a student, I always tell them, don't focus on getting an award. Focus on how how much you're how much better you're going to get by having this experience to get personal coaching. Okay. Next, another great reason to do these youth international ballet competitions is uh, if you have limited opportunities to, uh, or if your dancers have limited opportunities to get performing experience to touch a stage. Yes. You have to take care of coaching. Yes, you have to take, take care of costumes. But we exist in a performing art. And if you're not really performing, then <laughs> you're, you're going to be a little bit behind the mark. Now, one thing that I do want to say, I, I've worked in schools and also um, had to deal with this issue when I directed Alaska Dance Theater. But sometimes students are so focused on the performance that they forget that in order to get on the stage, you have to have that coaching and that technique. So it's finding a good middle ground. But say that your school only does a nutcracker performance in the in the winter and then they only do a spring performance at the end of their school year. That's that's not a ton of opportunities to get on stage. So taking part in these competitions, it gives dancers uh, a few more opportunities to get on stage, to feel what it, it feels like to have pressure and nerves, to explore how to project out into an audience when they're standing on a bright stage and can only see darkness. Um, really just getting a few extra chances every year to get on stage is, is a wonderful thing, as long as you realize that the focus as a student should still be on the technique and the training and the artistry. 
Third, and every student that I've ever coached, I, I tell them that when they attend a competition, aside from trying to do the best that they're doing, that it is their job to sit in the audience and watch the other competitors. And while they're sitting in the audience watching them, it is they, they should be looking at the other dancers, not, not criticizing them in a negative way, but essentially starting to practice critiquing them so that they can say, oh, this dancer did that really well, maybe I should try this next time I'm in the studio, or, well, that didn't really work for that dancer, so I should avoid that as well. A lot of times when you're training at a school and you don't have a lot of opportunities to go out of your school to see other dancers, um, you kind of get this idea, this, uh, how do I want to say this? Not inclusive, but this insular, that's it. You, you, you kind of have this insular vision of what the dance world actually is. You have the best students in your school, you have the, the less <laughs> talented students at your school, and wherever you fall, you kind of judge everything based off of that. But the dance world is massive, and for a student to get outside of their, their classroom and their school to go and see other dancers and what they're doing can really give them great perspective so that they can see what they have to work on. If they're, if they're already at the top of their school, they may forget that there are certain things that they need to work on because they're, they're just used to constantly being the best. So it, it gives a new perspective on what is out there, what a dancer needs to work on, and, and so much more beyond that. So I think that it, it's really valuable for a dancer to go to these competitions and to really see what's out there uh, as a positive learning experience, not so much as a, oh, I'm better than you, or wow, I, I'm really a, I'm, I'm a horrible dancer and I'm way behind. It, it's really like a nice check to see where you are and to help inspire you to get back in the studio and to work on what you've been working on and then to add a few, a, a few new things to that mix. Lastly, I think that these competitions are fantastic opportunities uh, because especially if you make it to the finals of these competitions, you have a chance to be considered to get opportunities to extend your training or extend your, your training into a dance career. Um, for instance, at Youth America Grand Prix, they have all of these uh, schools coming to watch and then they have these master classes and they choose dancers to get scholarships to summer programs, to get scholarships to finishing programs for the year, and uh, even a very few, because it is a youth international ballet competition, could get a, a contract with a company out of this. So, um, while no dancer should be entering a competition with the expectations of winning an award or getting a, a scholarship to one of these renowned schools. Um, that is a perk <laughs> of going to a competition. I, I always tell my students what I've just been telling you. First and foremost, coaching. Second, getting to perform. And third, a, a chance to... Uh, positively compare yourself to others to continue your training. Really, these competitions are all about getting the best training that you can. And if you are only focused on getting the awards and getting people to pat your back and tell you that you're a beautiful dancer, I, I'm afraid that you, you will probably be disappointed. And even if you are doing quite well, you may not be a perfect candidate to have a career because you are more interested in the accolades than the work. 
And I, I see that a lot. Dancers that have always gotten accolades and always been at the top of their game, they enter a professional environment, which is most of our goals. And they start as an apprentice or in the core, and they're not dancing the, these leading roles that they're being taught for these competitions. They're dancing core roles. And they suffer because of it, and they end up actually having a, a very short career because they would prefer to be dancing the leading classical variations uh, before they would prefer to dance in a group and, and learn everything that ballet has to include. So, just to sum up this episode, I, I really do think that there is a value to these competitions. You got Youth America Grand Prix, like I said, World Ballet Competition, the American Dance Competition. Oh, I forgot one, Prix de Lausanne, which is another fantastic international youth ballet competition. Um, as long as you are considering putting your student, your kid, uh, or if you are a student wanting to be a part of these competitions, as long as you're considering the right reasons to be in a competition, I say go ahead and do it. And I don't think you should be doing multiple competitions all year. I don't think that your sole focus of your entire school year at, at a ballet school should be to just prepare for a competition. I think that this is just one uh, extra enrichment activity that can help you prepare yourself or help you prepare your students or your kids for a professional career in dance. Because in the end, <laughs> the goal is to get to dance as long as we possibly can. And the only way that you can dance for a long period of time uh, is to become a professional so that you can do that for a living. And I mean, what more exciting and fascinating life to live than to get a chance to make your passion a career, to make a physical activity your career, to make an art your career. It's just, you can't really beat that. <laughs> so, with all that said, I hope that you feel that this was some really valuable information. Uh, <laughs> you can probably envision me laying on a one of those layout, I don't know, pool chairs, sipping a hurricane right now while you're listening to this episode. Or at least that's what I hope I'm doing. Um, and with that, I, I if you have any questions about international ballet competitions for youths, uh, feel free to reach out to me. And if I can't answer your questions, I'm sure that I can find somebody that can help you out with that. So... I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerolis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the premierdancenetwork.com. Again, that's premierdancenetwork.com. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, or on Twitter at Bariscos. 
Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over five years. I also have two YouTube channels, Be Corollas, featuring my choreography, and Core-ography, featuring my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Thanks for listening in to Pod a Chat. I hope you return next Friday to Talk Dance With Me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.